Minister, who is a UU minister, sooner or later gets to have interaction with Keith. And um, I know when I was in seminary, um, my mentor kept saying, you need to introduce yourself to Keith Cron. You need to introduce yourself to Keith Cron. And so my introducing myself to Keith Cron landed me in Cape Town, South Africa. <laughs> but um, he's a really gem and also a real integral part of our association. Um, he pretty much has a beat on most of the congregations that are out there. And I know when um, I was contacted in, when I was in South Africa, if I might be interested in an intern, interim in Peoria, I said, well, tell me about Peoria. And he actually told the truth. <laughs> he, he talked about how wonderful you were. And so, um, but he, he um, is just a real uh, great guy and I'm so thankful that we have him in our association and for the work that he and his staff do um, as he tries to very prayerfully and discernfully um, help to match candidates with the right congregations. So without further ado, Reverend Keith. It is good to be with you. Um, uh, one of the things that um, I truly enjoy as part of my job uh, now in my 24th year at the UUA is traveling and being amongst our congregations where Unitarian lives and breathes. And while I'm here to talk to, to, to be with you as you prepare for your next ministerial search, I also am also just thinking about the future of religion in general. And that really came home for me uh, last year with the city of Pittsburgh. And I was thinking about the shooting in the Jewish synagogue, and I was thinking about the Roman Catholic sex abuse scandal that happened in the city of Pittsburgh, all within a few months of each other. And it has made me wonder, why are any of us here? Why do we trust religion at all? It has been a source of great harm. And yet I think of one of the most famous Unitarian Universalist ministers, the Reverend Robert Fulgham, who writes these words, to be human is to be religious. To be religious is to be mindful, to be mindful is to pay attention, and to pay attention is to sanctify existence. We are here because we are humanly asking religious questions about our place in the world, and how do we make sense of it. We are here because we find the greatness of being in community with one another as we try and figure out how to make our way through the world as best we can. Now I am here this weekend as a part of the ministerial search process. We was very grateful. Please raise your hand if you were at the workshop yesterday, the Beyond Categorical Thinking workshop. Please take a moment if you weren't here and talk to them because it's part of their assignment after the workshop to talk to you. But it was good to be with people really engaged in conversation and thoughtful reflection. 
and really good to be with people who really care about the church and its future. So I think about church and religion on multiple levels. And recently I was at a group of newer ministers and I asked them to create a chart. A chart of what does a congregation need from its minister. We got the usual responses. We got, we need good preaching, we need good pastoral care, we need someone who has visionary leadership, we need someone who can help us figure out how we live our lives. But what impressed me, and not so much in a good way, were the two things that were not mentioned. No one mentioned that the role of the minister is to build trust or to build faith. And no one mentioned that the fundamental place of religion is that this could be a place of doing no harm. And that a minister could be a person who models doing no harm in a congregation. And as I was thinking about that, I've now done this with several ministers groups and it has yet to come up. It also occurred to me, and I speak directly now to the search committee, no search committee has ever said they wanted either of those things from a minister, either. Do we assume that they're basic and that they come naturally? But you think about the role of religion in the world, maybe we need to pay more attention to them. And what a radical act that would be. And given what has happened in Pittsburgh and in so many other places in the world, how do we rebuild trust and faith in religion? How do we show up to ourselves here in community? And how do we as congregations show up in the wider world, a world that desperately needs Unitarian Universalism at the moment? Remember in my previous position, before I became the Transitions Director, I was Director of the Office of the UUA's Bisexual, Gay, Lesbian, and Transgender Concerns. And I had been asked to go to Wyoming the week after Matthew Shepard had been left on a fence and left to die. And had been asked by our congregation in Laramie who was reeling from these events. And in talking with the minister at the time, he said, would you just come and just talk to the congregation for a few minutes? And then we'll go and visit the fence and lay some flowers by the fence. So I showed up that morning in Laramie, group of about 40 people, in this small university town. The minister who I had known from seminary reads two letters that people had sent to the congregation and then turns to me and goes, and now Reverend Cron will lead the sermon this morning, <laughs> which was not something I had prepared or even thought about and I was caught off guard. I don't remember what I said. But I do remember that it was important for me to pay attention to what was going on. Later, when we went out to the fence, uh, the minister laid some flowers, turned to me, and said, and now Reverend Cron will lead the memorial service for Matthew Shepard. <laughs> Clearly, he and I needed to work on our levels of trust after that. And I lost my YouTube mic. And I asked him later, tell me about this. What happened? 
we had agreed that I was going to do this, and all of a sudden I was leading a memorial service, and he said, I, want to, I need to apologize to you. But we have no, we had, I had no idea what to do in this particular moment. And, and I said, and, and I understand that. And that part of what we have to do in the moments where we don't understand what's going on is we just need to show up, to pay attention, to sanctify the existence of what around, is around us. Early the next year, three weeks after the shooting at Columbine High School, I was the first guest minister to preach at Columbine High School, um, which, by the way, is the church that is closest to the high school, our church there. And when I walked in, I showed what our witness can do, because when I walked in to the sanctuary in Littleton, Colorado, on every single wall of the church was a letter or picture of a support from the children from hundreds of Unitarian Universalist congregations, letting them know they were thinking of the people of Littleton and that they wanted to support them. And what a feeling I had with those people this morning, knowing that there were people who were actually knowing what they were having to deal with and wanting to support them. We can make a difference. I think about uh, the famous uh, author and researcher Brene Brown, who talks about how trust is built in the little moments. And I want us to think about how trust is also broken, not only in the big moments, but it's broken in the little moments too. And I go back to when I was in seminary, and I was in a class on death and dying. And the professor and the dean of our college, our dean of our seminary, were talking. And they were talking about the subject of violence. And the dean was saying, we need to remember that violence happens not just in the big moments, but it happens in the little moments, too. And Anna, the teacher, she was a Holocaust survivor who worked with people who um, tried to commit suicide, said, we just had that happen in our class. And she looked at me and she said, do you remember? And I said, I remember it well, and I still remember it well to this day. We had been practicing being a chaplain next to someone in a hospital who could not move, who could not speak, who was just lying there. And each of us had, got, had to go and be the chaplain next to this person, next to them. And the first student went up and immediately took the patient's hand, at which point Anna immediately said to this student, you should never do that again. And everyone turned and stopped and looked at Anna as she explained, think about this. Here is a person who is completely out of control of their life. They cannot move. They're being fed by a tube. Um, they cannot speak. And you just took away more control for them by taking their hand without asking What would have happened if you had said to them, could I take your hand, and you could have at least seen their eyes blink, to give them some control of a world in which they have no control over? I still remember that. And the little violences and the little reparations that are possible. Earlier this year, I was talking with a friend of mine at the UUA whose son uh, is not a Unitarian Universalist, but
but lives outside of Cleveland. And his father was there visiting, and he and his son were taking two of his son's friends to a baseball game. They passed the Unitarian Universalist Church uh, uh, in Rocky River, Ohio, and outside there are huge signs, a rainbow pride flag, uh, a Black Lives Matter sign, and immediately my friend's son's friends start talking and they go, if I were to go to church, that is the church I would want to go to. This is clearly a church making a difference in the world. And I was, as I was talking with my friend, I said, but what would happen if they did show up? What would happen if two 25-year-olds showed up wanting to make a difference in the world? Sure, they would be told they were welcomed, but would they actually be welcomed? Or would they be welcomed with conditions? You are more than welcome here. And then later, as long as you give at the same rate as our 60 and 70 year olds do, as long as you serve on every committee like our 60 and 70 year olds do, as long as you become exactly like us, you would be welcome. That is a story that is all too true in so many of our congregations. You are welcome here provided you become like us. And yet the next potential generation of Unitarian Universalists are going to be different from us. With different needs and different hopes for what church could be. We we often do this also for the people of color who walk into our movement. You are welcome here as long as you act like us, as long as you think like us. We even do this to our ministers. A friend of mine, African-American man, guest preacher in a church one Sunday morning, showed up in a suit holding his sermon. The person who greeted him at the door, the greeter, said, Hi, we're glad you're here. Are you here to clean the building this morning? Having visited over 500 UU congregations, I've never been asked if I was going to there to clean the building one morning long. It is amazing who we can do. What would happen if we committed to being a place that intentionally decided to do no harm? What would happen if we actually decided to show up for each other? We have a congregation right now that is trying to figure out its future. And I am impressed with some of its leaders who literally told a group of people in the church, we have a choice here. If we don't change our culture, we will die. We will disappear. Because you would like this church to be just a group of you and you and your friends who come together and say, this is who we are, and you have not been welcoming to other people. And we have to be a church in a community that really needs us to all the people who enter our doors, enter our doors. And yet they are determined to try and keep this church exactly the way it is. And it is interesting because we would like to not think about it. But we can be as rigid and violent as the fundamentalists on the religious right in who we are. We can be as controlling and sometimes we even eat our classmates. 
This could be a golden age for Unitarian Universalism. The world really needs a place where people of various theologies can show up and be together and show that we can coexist. The religion in the United States most likely to be that place is the Unitarian Universalist Association and our congregations. And will we be able to reach out to those who really need us? Or will we be a place where we simply just circle up, close ranks, and become smaller and smaller? I've told many of our congregations in their ministerial search process, what kind of minister do you need? Do you need someone who's going to be minister to you and to the wider community? Or is what you really need a hospice chaplain? Because you're just getting smaller and smaller as who you are. The Nigerian author Chimamanda Adichie talks about stereotypes. And she says the problem with stereotypes is that it's not that they are untrue. The problem is they are incomplete because they reduce people and things to a single story. You are more than a single story. Each minister is more than a single story. Unitarian Universalism is more than a single story. The question is, can we live in to the multiple stories that we can be? Will we allow ourselves to be more than a single story? Or will we commit those little acts of violence and try and make one story the only story of who we are? In these times when we desperately need it, how do we do no harm? How do we pay attention? How do we sanctify existence? And how do we do that in a place where people don't always agree each other? As I was mentioned, mentioned before, the dean of my school, Bob Kimball, told me this story once about meeting with the other deans. He was meeting with all nine of them at the Graduate Theological Union. And he and the dean of the American Baptist School completely were on opposite sides of a problem. And what was interesting is the other seven people were spending the meeting trying to get things to be nice. And he finally looked at them and said, I don't need you to be nice. I need for you, the seven of you, to have an opinion. And I need for the seven of you to have an opinion about this so that we can make a decision and move on. I will tell you that me and my friend, the dean of the Baptist School, will be friends after this because we're part of a community that needs to make a decision, and we both set our opinion. What's yours? A final story, my favorite story, one of my favorite stories in my old job. Uh, within a year of being hired by the UUA as the director of the Office of Bisexual, Gay, Lesbian, and Transgender Concerns, I was asked to represent Unitarian Universalism at a conference on religion, gender, and sexuality. It was in Nashville, Tennessee. There were over 40 people there from a lot of different faiths. And I found myself on that for, for, first morning on a long table, um, sitting next to John from the Church of Christ and Mark from the Church of God. And we were passing around a microphone and John from the Church of Christ says, hi, my name is John, I'm from the Church of Christ, and we are to the right of the right. 
and he smiles and he hands the microphone to me. And I go, hi, my name is Reverend Keith Cron. I'm the director of the Office of, Office of Bisexual, Gay, Lesbian, and Transgender Concerns, at which point I had to stop talking because John and Mark are scooting their chairs away from me. <laughs> and I go, my name is the Reverend Keith Cron, and, I'm to the, and we're to the left of the left. We spent four days talking about all matters around religion, religion gender, and sexuality. We talked about women in the ministry. We talked about gay, lesbian, bi, trans people in the ministry. We talked about sexuality education. We talked about violence. And on the last day, John and Mark and two of their friends, probably named Matthew and Luke, <laughs> I don't remember, came up to me and they said, we would like to have lunch with you. And I thought, ooh, this will be fun. But I agreed. And we went to lunch. And John spoke for the group when he, and he said, we wanted you to know, we have listened to everything you have said. And we completely disagree with all of it. But we also wanted you to know that we respect you because at least you are clear about what you believe. And you aren't trying to make us change your minds, you're just stating who you are and what you believe. And that actually impresses us. They were my teachers that lunchtime. My fellow classmates learning from each other. And I got a chance to be their educator when they tentatively asked me if I knew anything about football and discovered that I knew more about it than all four of them combined. <laughs> so we got to be classmates together that day. But I think our opportunity here in this moment when the world really needs us is for Unitarian Universalism, this congregation, each of you, to be more than a single story, to be a place that can build trust in the relationships we can create, that can honor differences and celebrate it. And we can reach out to a wider world that really needs that message. Now is an opportunity, and you have a golden opportunity here in this moment of ministerial transition to commit to being a part of rebuilding our faith in a community that really needs it, a chance for you to be clear about who we are without being rigid, and to be a place where we can all be classmates together, where we can all sanctify existence.